Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi everyone, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to another Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Today, um, we're joined, actually we're having part four of our series, What I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me. And we have just a favorite guest again. We have Kathy Bazaar. And you know what, as we've done the last couple of podcasts, um, again, coming from a series of, you know, we, we've had increase in overdose and issues around addiction. This was just um, an effort that came out of the Tuscarawas County Addiction Task Force and the Anti-Drug Coalition of what information can we share for other people out there? And it came to what I wish someone would have told me. Well, Kathy had recommended her friend Jess Steamer to come on today um, because Jess has a different perspective on what she wished someone had told her, which goes into um, just the success or the impact recovery court can have. Um, So with that being said, I'm going to steer this over to Jess to introduce yourself, and then we'll probably ask you some questions just about your addiction, your recovery, and then you can just tell us, you know, from your experience, what you wish someone would have told you. Okay. Well, I'm Jess Deemer. Um, Next month, I'll have two and a half years sober. Awesome. Congrats, girl. Thank you. Um, It's been a struggle since I was 19. Um, It's the first time I did heroin. So, 19 heroin, first time you knew you were addicted? Yeah, well, so my childhood is a little bit different than, like, Kathy's or, like, Richard Miller. I watched his video on here. Um, you know, I had a good childhood. Like, okay. I, my parents didn't use. Um, well, my, let me take that back. My biological father has a crack addiction, but I wasn't around him. So, okay. um, my mom got remarried. So, um you know, I had everything I needed and wanted. Mm-hmm. I did good in school. You know, I played sports. So my problem didn't start until after I was out of the house. Um, and so, so after 18. Yeah. Now, did you drink, smoke pot, any of I, that in yes, high school? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. And so my mom, she still blames herself to this day because I was a freshman dating a senior. And she's like, I never should have let you do that. It's like, that's not, to me, that's not where my problem started. Sure. I mean, yeah, as 14, you shouldn't be drinking. That's obvious. But it more started after I moved out. Okay. Um, and so that's something like that I wish somebody would have told me at that point in my life. Like, don't be so ignorant and naive to think that it's not going to happen to you. Because I'm like, I started and within a few months, I was addicted. I was doing it every day. And what's ironic about that is I was in nursing school. I was in nursing school doing heroin every single day. Wow. So Jess, I'm going to just stop right there only because I want our listeners to hear this. I, I honestly really appreciate every recovery story is amazing in and of itself. Sometimes they're a lot more alike, yet they all have their own differences. But I think a lot of people are used to hearing a recovery story of, I grew up in a home and it was riddled with addiction and, and these were some of those circumstances that led up to my use. But I love when we also hear stories of, you know, great childhood, you know, very involved parents and addiction still ended up being 
becoming part of my life. And I think that's really helpful because there is, we still, I think one of the things we really try to do is erase stigma from addiction and mental health issues. Like, let's just take that off the shelf. These addiction can happen to anybody. So I appreciate your story and just being able to say, hey, this is kind of what happened. So when you started using outside of the house, can you tell people what heroin looked like the first time? Because I think also people always think it's taking a needle and shooting up, and I'm imagining it probably wasn't. Well, or maybe it was. Mine progressed quickly. So okay. Like, yeah, the first, I'm going to say the first five times, maybe it was snorting it. But I was introduced to it by somebody that knew what they were doing with the needle. Um, so it kind of just progressed quickly. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So 19, started to use heroin, found yourself addicted. Now, how did that impact nursing school and everything else? You know, it's crazy to think back on it that... Like, I graduated. I completed it. I didn't get held back at all, you know. So um, you must be one smart girl, because I have... Used to be, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I hear about nursing school, not easy. Oh, but, like, I would skip lectures, because, um, like, the guy that I needed to take up with me to Cleveland, like, he was ready to go now, so I would skip my lessons. You know, I don't know how I did it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also good for listeners to hear is you can be somewhat functional, sometimes for long periods of time before people realize that you're struggling with an addiction. And I'm sure that's a lot to hide and hold and yeah, keep it together. Yeah. And I was going to mention that it's great that you mentioned about your father. You didn't live with him because we'll hear of that too. We do not have to live with them. And that can happen. Um, I have a friend who gave a daughter away when she was 16 for adoption. And then she met her like 15 years later. And the parents of this girl said, we have had her in so many facilities. We have no idea where her addiction comes from. We do not even drink. Wow. So that, to me, is something people don't realize. That yeah. genetic yeah. link like, and is it's, huge. It's my dad's side, and it's also my mom's side, because my, uh, my mom's mom and all her brothers and sisters had problems with alcohol. So, you know, it's there for sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I wish someone would have told me, in my genes, in my body, certainly something that could be a reality if I use. Yeah, and it know. just, I mean, it wasn't really talked about you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and I don't it's I don't think my mom really understood or even like how to go about it um so it's definitely something my daughter's nine um you know and she knows a little bit but it's definitely something I'm gonna have to talk to her about you know okay so let's get back to your story 19 started to use heroin going through nursing school how did this play out for you um well it was just a continuous cycle for the next 10 years. Um, I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter. I stayed sober with her um, while I was pregnant, but it was just like a couple months after she was born, right back into it. Um, so that ended up and me going to the Harbor House for the first time. Now, were you able to take her with you or did someone else have to raise her at those uh, early years? She was back and forth between my parents and my um her dad's parents, because he, her dad and I, 
used together. Okay. So we both had issues we were working through. Um, but I, eventually she did actually get to come stay with me. Oh, neat. Yeah. Um, so I got out of there. I stayed sober for like a year, I think. And then it's just, this is another thing. People stop doing what works. But also at the beginning, I didn't fully get what I needed to be doing. Sure. Um, and I didn't, you know, the Harbor House tells you, you need to build these connections outside of, of the house. I never did that. Okay. So once I, I've been in the Harbor House three times. So once I'm out of the house, it's just me, myself and I trying to deal with my own problems, trying to be an adult, which I really don't know how to do. Um, and, you know, it's just even like simple things that really might not be a big problem to you, like when you first get sober, you just don't know how to handle it. Sure. And there's probably a lot of consequences you have to deal with on top of that. Yeah. So, let's see, what, where was I at? Um, anyways, in and out, um, got in trouble, was in uh, Judge Tamox's drug court, did good for a few months maybe, um, ended up going to jail for that, spent six months in there for that case, um, got out and... I just kind of went crazy at that point Um, because after sitting jail might be good maybe to keep you alive for a minute. But if you sit that long in jail, you just don't care anymore. At least I didn't care anymore. Okay. So um, I went crazy and like it was like a month after being out of jail, I caught the charge, which actually put me in um, Judge Von Allman's recovery court. Okay. But it took a couple of years for that to actually play through. Um. Let's see here. Yeah, so so I'm on probation with Leslie Miller. Love that woman. I really do. Um, yeah. Um, two months, it was just regular probation, like a year, you're done. Two months from being off, and I decide to help a friend because I love this girl. Like, she's struggling, okay? Come stay with me. Like, come eat some food. Take a nap. Yeah, right. Um, I was doing meth within a couple days. So that took me down. It was only a couple months, but it just took me down a whole completely different road. Had you used meth before that time? I had, yeah, briefly when I got out of jail for that six months. Um, But this time, it was more... So that previous time, it was heroin and meth. And then this time, it was just pretty much meth. And it took me down a whole nother road of insanity. I ended up in Heartland because of it. Um, I, I lost my mind and I, I've actually went back and apologized to people who I did meth with because I'm like, I'm so sorry the way that I acted. Wow. Yeah. Um, hey Jess, can I say something? You know, with people not knowing you, but one of her, it's, it's a good fault some ways. She always wants to help somebody. Mm. Always the underdog. She's like, someone has to help them. And it was hard for you to see, like, you got to help you. Because stop helping these people. I mean, you ended up with a ton of people in your apartment. I did, yes. People in your shed. I yes. mean, it, just, it got crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And what you were saying also, she still didn't fully have a grasp of your recovery while you're helping oh, other yeah. people. So, oh, right. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I was really... See, this last time was probably like the only one of the times that I've actually worked to recover. So that time, I don't think I was really doing anything. I was just, you know, cruising along, you know, 
trying to stay sober. And then that one little thing comes into your life and it just throws you off. And it, and I will never blame her. It wasn't her fault. It was all, it's all on me. You know what I mean? So, so Jess, this is just something that I kind of want to ask when people see their loved ones continue to relapse, what I'm hearing from you, like none of this was intentional. It was just, you really didn't understand your recovery yet. Right. Right. Is that something that you see is fairly common that it just takes a while to grasp? Why am I doing these steps? And, you know, I think the hard thing for a lot of us to grasp is like these suggestions (laughs) that these people make it's not going to keep me sober because what's going on inside of us is so it's more intense than, Oh, call somebody, go to a meeting. You know, some people suggest, you know, praying, meditate. Like we get like, what the heck does that have to do with recovery? I'm messed up in here, man. I need someone to tell me they care about me and I'm good enough and I I have self-worth and that's the stuff we're missing. Mm -hmm. But, We just don't get like how this recovery stuff they're talking about is really going to keep me away from the next, you know, drink or drug. Yeah. And so, but that's what I found this last time, you know, um, I was fortunate enough to let my mom let me back in the house Um, because that was like kind of one of my uh, conditions for recovery court was to be with my mom or my parents. so I didn't have to work and I had plenty of time to just dive into the big book and dive into the Bible. And I mean, I sat there and like picked that stuff apart. Like there's awesome um, videos on YouTube for the, these two guys just pick every single sentence apart of the big book. Um, and I, I just spent hours doing that and just filling my extra time. There wasn't a lot of extra time with recovery court, but filling that extra time with that kind of stuff. And my daughter, of course. Joe and Charlie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so recovery court, this was the game changer for you? Yeah. Um, well, it was. Something, after this last time, something had just, you know, switched over. And I just, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want to do, you know, use anymore. And I remember Leslie telling me, she's like, if I can't get you into recovery court, you're going to have to sit out your six months. Um, and I was like, well, so be it. Like, if that's what it is, fine. It doesn't matter. I still don't want to use um, so Von Allman ended up getting me in there, Judge Von Allman, I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, it was just, there's just so many people in there that care, like Judge Von Allman, like, okay, that might be her job, whatever, but she actually she does care. She cares and they can all get mad at her if you want, but she's trying to save your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it comes down to. And she cares. Um, Leslie Miller cares, even though people might not think so. She does, you know. Um, I actually see her every, she comes into my work every week with her family to eat burgers. So it's I still like a weekly check-in. Oh, uh, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and then you got put into IOP and you had a counseling and, right? Yeah, an case awesome manager. counselor, case manager. And the best peer ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like your case manager, like, you know, people might think it's kind of stupid or whatever, but, like, they're there to, like, help you kind of, like, push you along because, like, I'm a procrastinator. And, like, with my license, there were so many steps for me to get my license back. I was just, 
if I didn't have her there to push me along, I would have just been like, I don't want my license. You can keep them for the rest of my life. But so they're there to kind of push you and help you along to get you through like these life skills that you really don't know, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very neat. Um, just trying to think on that recovery court aspect because today, Jess, you're here to share your story, but when Kathy had asked you, you know, what was that thing you wish someone would have told you? And you said it is recovery court. Um, what do you think it was about recovery court or is that really does make that difference or made it for you? Um, it's, it's just, I think the main thing for me was just having all those people there to back you up, you know? Okay. I mean, it's good to have the, the accountability and all the things that you need to do. Um, but the main thing for me was having like Kathy, the judge, Leslie, all those people and all those people, like, so you go into recovery court every Wednesday, um, before COVID. I don't know if they go into the courts now, which is sad. That's another thing. I want to say, but you go into the court and you all sit there, but, but then you have all these people off to the side that are somehow like helping this program and helping you. And it's just, it's good to see that all those people care. Yeah. Because when you were coming, you could see the people who met before they came in okay. and they have a they have people from within the community. I mean, we have a representative from the sheriff's department, the police department, the health department, um, you know, place from um, our agency is there. Uh, uh, Haley used to be there at one time, probably when you were there. Yeah. And there were times they would ask me to sit in on that. And there would be a public defender. Like these people taking an hour every week, or sometimes two, to talk before. Mm -hmm. Like how can we help these people? What can we do to keep them sober? How many communities do that? It is. It is special. You know, it's very special. And I think that's what you're talking like, Because some of those people would stay. And some of those people attended your graduation, yeah. which was really awesome yeah. when she graduated. So you neat. Know. Now, what is the perception of a recovery court for some people that, are, that well, haven't been through it or might have a negative con connotation the one common thing that I heard during my time there was just all the things that you had to do and you know it just took every single you know hour of your day to do these things and blah 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 you know it, um for me it was never a burden because I wanted it the only burden was when I had to pee in a cup at nine months pregnant <laughs> <laughs> yes because when you think about how many hours a week when you first start, it's like, what, 12 hours? Because you have to do yeah. three IOPs. You have, like I said, a counseling, a peer, and case management appointments on top of that. You have to call in every day to see if you have to be tested. And you have to go to court once a week. It's a lot of time. And if you're trying to start your life, because some people say, how can I do this? How can I get a job? But it works. I hear this a lot. If you can just hang in there for two weeks, it all starts to fall into place. It's very overwhelming in the beginning. But people do care. But you got to want it. You said the key thing. I say that so many times. It's got to come out of here and it's got to go to here. You have to be done. 
live in that life you live in and want to change. Yeah. And I was just so grateful to be accepted into there because when I was on probation for that those last couple months that I started doing meth, I mean, I was failing all the time. And I would even call Leslie and I was like, so I have to go pee. I'm going to test negative. Like, do you want me to still go? And she's like, yeah, you need to go. Um, so all that stuff that I put her through and for her to still like vouch for me and try to get me into recovery court, like that meant a lot to me, you sure. know? Yeah. Like you said to me, you feel these people help save your life. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's huge. That is, that's used to feel like a court system saved your life. Yep. It is. It's just, it's now, crazy. did you see anyone who was in recovery court because they were court ordered and they were choosing recovery court and kind of were jaded and then kind of made the switch to this is working for me or what all did you um, see there? You know what? I just saw somebody a couple weeks ago and he, I always like saw him as the kind of guy that was just like, it was a joke to him, whatever, whatever. But I saw him a couple weeks ago and he was like, that program saved my life. How cool. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I wouldn't have thought that from you, but yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few people I know too that are still sober and it's been over a couple of years as well. Yeah. yeah. That's there neat. are those. Yeah. And then unfortunately there are those ones that go through that 18 months, 18 months and the whole time they're saying, as soon as I'm done, I'm going to use. And that's sad to me. That's very sad. I just don't understand that for myself. I don't know if I could wait 18 months, well, you know? You know, and I hate to say this, yeah. but this is the truth, because I've heard people even come out and say it, that they would like, that, that they should just relapse because it'll keep them in recovery court longer, so they will continue to help them with things, which is just, listen, like, I have a problem with that, because these that's not why you're there. You know what? You say that, though. But how often in life do we know when people are just fearful? of? And, and you hear that with prison. And I used to work when a, a young person's residential. And I cannot tell you how often we would get to a, a young person that was going through our residential system, and he would sabotage at the end. And you know why? Consciously or subconsciously. They were fearful to go back. You know what I mean? And I, I would say it was probably subconsciously more than consciously, you know? So that could be the situation. It, it's scary out there. And clearly there was so much structure. And and probably if you're struggling with addiction, free time is not your friend. Non-accountability is not your friend. You know, all these things probably are pretty scary to step out into the world. Yeah. And plus we're very good at self-sabotaging ourselves. I oh, mean, yeah. yeah, right? I remember the, I don't know, second, yeah. third time in the Harbor House. I don't remember which one. But, um, so I left on Friday for my last all-weekend visit. Or, yeah, yeah, visit, whatever. Um, supposed to come back Monday and graduate. You remember this? Yes. Because she was there. Yep. Yes. Um, I ended up relapsing Friday and came back Sunday night, you know, tested negative and or positive, I'm sorry. And I was like, there's no way, Kathy. Like, we got to retake this test. Like, I just slide straight to her face. So I definitely, yeah, I've done that. I had yeah. to stay an extra two months because of that. Now, yeah. do you think you had thought about it? I thought, did you just use or did you kind of in the back of your head, nah, I'm not ready? Um, that was one point in my life where I 
kind of had this feeling that I wasn't going to stay sober anyways. Cause I've had those moments. I'm like, yeah, I'll do this now. Um, for a while, we'll see how it goes, but eventually I'm going to okay. go back. I just know I am. Um, but it's, it's a different feeling this time. Yeah. Oh yeah. You wanted it this time. Yeah. Just the fact that you moved back home. Was huge. It was. Me and my mom huge. tend to butt heads. But. but it's not even that. I mean, to be at a certain age and, you know, and go back and, you know, and your mother had, this, you know, had rights over your daughter more than you, that's hard. That's very yeah. hard. I mean, I commend you for that. I mean, you really stuck it out. I mean, how many times did I pick you up and it would be like, you'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, could, so, you know. Jess, what other things have you just learned through your story that you wish you, someone would have told you or that you have the opportunity to tell someone else? Um, so there was this awesome guy who actually passed away last year. His name was Paul Antonelli. Um, and he, he was just beyond smart, okay? And he always had, he would always, like, um, explain to you, like, the science behind it, like in your brain, like what makes you do what you do. Uh, so what I've learned is that it's going to take time for you to feel normal again, because you're literally changing your brain. Um, you, you, when you use drugs, you're creating these pathways um, that are going to make you continue to do the same things. So I think that's why... No, I don't think that's why. That's why people relapse within like two to three months is because they're not giving themselves enough time to feel better. I remember a couple few years ago now um, where I would have visits with my daughter and like I didn't feel happy. And I felt so bad and guilty about that because I didn't have pleasure seeing my own kid. Like it didn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, it makes sense now. So mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things somebody would have explained to me back then a little better which I'm sure maybe you guys did, but. <laughs> we have to be ready for all of it. We've got yeah. to be ready to hear all of it, you know, and I think that's the key is that you were ready. And probably the things you heard over the years, you grabbed a little of this and you grabbed a little. But I noticed one thing that maybe if you would have known is your spirituality. Don't you think your spirituality was so different? This last time? Yeah. Tell her the story about this church. Oh, yeah. It's ironic <laughs> that we're at this church because, um, well, this is the church my family goes to. Okay. Um, I, I don't so much go anymore. I'm just going to say that um, just because I, I, I got busy with kids and work, you know. Um, but anyways, at the beginning of my recovery, there was an awesome pastor that was here, Pastor Dennis. Okay. And he took the time to sit down with me. Every single week, he would bring me in here, and he would just talk to me. He's actually one of the first people I told I was pregnant. <laughs> uh, I, I told him before my mom, and he's like, he's like, let's bring your parents in right now and tell them. And I'm like, I'm not, can't do it. I'm not ready. Um, Are these the people who came to your graduation? Well, Pastor Dennis had already moved to Florida, but the new pastor was there. Okay. Yeah, he was there. In the courtroom. Um, there's another lady here. She won't mind me saying her name, Sharon. Um, she was a huge mentor to me. She would meet with, meet with me every week. So, you know, it wasn't just people in recovery court, 
you know, I found those connections outside this time, which is a big deal. Like you just can't do it on your own, which is what I tried to do for years and it doesn't work. No, I could be right or wrong on this. So feel free to make any adjustments when I say this. One of the work that the anti-drug coalition does is we really try to partner with local churches. Um, And we're very intentional and we've been intentional for years on this with the thought that when you're in recovery, it is great to have your rooms and your connections that you're supporting each other, but to also have those other healthy connections that just bring you back into the community as it was could be very helpful. So instead of knowing just just through this recovery support arena, you know Jess is part of your church and your small group and your family. Is that true? Does that make a difference for you? Yeah, for sure. And then like, so like I would be around these church people and they're just so full of love and compassion and like understanding. And it's just like, I don't, you know, coming from a place where I was and just to be accepted like that with people in this church. So it makes a huge difference, you know? Um, Yeah. We're going to love you no matter what. Yeah. I did. I, because we do really try to work with our churches. I just do want to say that, that it makes a difference when we all reach out to other people, no matter what the situation, but especially with people coming out of addiction recovery to let them know, hey, we love you. We want to do life with you. You know, um, we want to support you and walk through this part of your life, you know. Um, So I just want to tell people that's a space that you're welcome in and we'd encourage you to come into that space. Because when you came out of, when we pulled up, she didn't know where we were coming. Okay. I met her up the road, and and um, soon she got out. She goes, this is the church. I don't know <laughs> if you saw me. I hit her with my glove, and I said, see, it's a God thing. That's why you're here. Yeah, you know, fine. it's all connected, you know. And I think it's wonderful, like, with the churches, um, because for those people that want that. And it's hard for us in the beginning, because we get, like, what are these we're so suspicious. Oh, my God, aren't we? We're so suspicious of people. <laughs> and we go, what do they want from me? Why are they being so nice? What do you, you know? So I always say for people who have that and they have a church base, oh, my gosh, take advantage of that. Please take advantage of that. I didn't have that. So, yeah, you know. And that's the thing with people yes. who don't necessarily yes. want to go to church or yes. who don't believe in God. Like, yeah, that kind of God. Or Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I think it might make it more difficult because that's one. Well, I, I was know. there. I, you know, yeah. I mean, how many times I tell my exit sign story? That was my higher power for yeah. a couple of years. But I share that story for people who don't have a church base. Like it can be anything. You know what I mean? And yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's what I always thought was awesome for you is that you had that in your church. Look at they welcomed you right back, and they were there, and no judgment. I mean, awesome. Yes, right. I mean, there's so much of that too. Yeah, like you were saying, not just in recovery, you can get that within your community, and they don't have a motive. Yeah, <laughs> there's no motive, but 
right away we're thinking, all right, what do they want from me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're being too nice to me. I yeah. don't, I don't deserve this, and we do, you know, right? right? And then we, we get that self worth, and cause we are worthy. Absolutely, we do deserve it, you know. So yeah, and that's another thing I know. I learned that now, like yes, what I did then is not who I am now. You know, it's made me who I am now, but because I still have somebody in my life that likes to bring up what I did four years ago. And it's like, I, before it would have like brought me down and make me feel horrible. But now it's like, like, I don't care if you want to say that, go ahead, because it's not going to hurt my feelings. Yeah, it's, it's not, not going to let it hurt my feelings anymore because that's not who I am. And I always say, depends upon who those people are in our life, that you got to remember how many years we put them through stuff. It takes them a long time to trust us again because they're always wait. They're always waiting for the other foot to drop. We, I know, I was always waiting for the other foot or the shoe to drop, thinking this is too good. Something bad's going to happen. They think the other way, like uh, doing too good here. I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's uh, yeah. I know. I'm glad you don't get hurt by it anymore. That's that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's it's neat to hear you're not defining yourself by decisions or actions that happened in the past. You know, it's yes, or letting other people define us correct. by their thoughts of us. You know, um, yeah, takes a little while though. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, things that were paramount: recovery court, understanding addiction, understanding what happens in your brain and how that plays out. And I, that was huge. That faith-based support was important in your story. And um, you also mentioned, too, that what you're going to teach your daughter about addiction yeah. and about it running in families, because I right. do the same with mine. Because And I, well, I always yeah. say if what I've been through will be worth it if it doesn't, cause my kids to go through the same thing. Uh, if I can teach my kids to not go down that path, then it was the 10 years of, you know, miserableness. Uh, it was worth it. Absolutely. Now, Jess, because we haven't spoke before, um, but I'm going to say this for anyone out there. You were saying she's nine. That is a great time to start speaking. Um, part of the work I do in my job job is um, prevention education for young people. And one thing I've learned is even if you've been in addiction and you're in recovery, it doesn't mean you always know exactly how to have these conversations with your young people. So I'm going to take an opportunity to just plug the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition or Ohio Guidestones Prevention Department. We have a lot of resource, resources on how to speak to young people age-specific, what's developmentally appropriate on areas of where kids initiate, which it's alcohol, it's tobacco or vaping, it's marijuana use, it's prescription drug or over-the-counter misuse. And what we've done is we've really compiled that information into brochures where, okay, here's what you need to know. This is how it happens. Here's the conversation you need to have. And here's talking points, you know, how to have those conversations. So I just offer that because I, I know sometimes it's still a little overwhelming, even though you're like, look, I've been here and I want to have these conversations. But I just want to let people know there are tools and resources to make it as easy and normalized as possible. So if anyone wants to go to the Tuscarawas County 
anti-drug coalition, tusk.org, um, you can find those resources that's to awesome. kind of help out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so neat. You yeah. have that opportunity yeah. really to breathe into her life as well. Anything else we need to wrap up on? I just want to say what a pleasure it is to know you and and just to watch you grow and be, you. and be the mom that you are. And she has a little boy, too. And Aww. it's just, yeah, he it's awesome. He was born um, one year and one day after I got sober. So that's the thing. Like, I got sober, but I was still kind of running crazy and doing things. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay because it, it's worth it now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's normal in the beginning. And yeah. Because I still kind of needed that like validation from a man still, you know, but it's not it's not that way anymore. <laughs> that's that's another story. Yeah, yeah that is. Yeah. <laughs> Just seriously, I want to say thank you for coming on. Just sharing your experience, what's worked, you know, um, just your willingness to do that. And, um, just knowing that you are doing well and, um, that's just awesome. Kathy, I want to thank you for bringing Jess here today. And I love seeing your heart and just how much you're caring on other people and loving on other people. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, knowing we have great supports. We have great resources. We have a great recovery community here in Tuscarawas County and the, the resources are here and even not the recovery community alone. When you're talking about all those community leaders, like you said, they show up yes. because they care. It's not because of their job. It's because they care. They care. Right yeah. And that's huge. It's huge. Anything but, else from you, Kathy? No, just thanks for having me. Uh, and pleasure. I, uh, yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks. Love Thanks again, Dima. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And listeners, uh, catch you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.